And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. lady well 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 try that again well 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 welcome to episode 66 of down on the docks my name's chris neff and i'm joined as always by my friend partner and producing a guy extraordinary <laughs> Losing steam over there, huh? A little bit. Fucking it's Friday. Hey, it's just my intro, it's dude. It's Friday. What's up, pussies? Friday night. Uh, Dave, Sarah, how are you, buddy? What's up, dude? Buddy. Hello. Uh, you have a good week? Fucking great week. We are cramming. Cramming uh, in, baby. We're getting this on. Trying uh, to get ahead of week. We're maybe. trying to get ahead of week. We're going to do our best I can. Uh, want to say. Narcan. want to say, man, we have so much positive response to yeah. episode 65 of Down on the Docks entitled... The Devil on Somebody Trial, gets my references. Directed by Chris Holt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what, Dave? I got to give you some props. Um, you know, of course, that I review the podcast when I have time during sure. the week. And you snuck in so many great one-liners mm-hmm. that went over Thank my head you. while we were recording. Right. And then I get to listen to You're them. You're so involved in your notes. It's a lot, man. Script. We all have... We're juggling a lot of balls around here. Yeah, all the comedic value lays upon my heavy shoulders. Dave, what's this podcast? Heavy lays the crown. <laughs> as, as, as usual, I'm going to pose the question to you. What is this podcast all about for those that are discovering it for the first time? And before you answer, if you are discovering this podcast for the first time, this is part two mm-hmm. of The Devil on Trial. Mm-hmm. So you're going to want to back up one episode and start there with part one. But Dave, why do we do this podcast and what is it all about? Well, well what it's all about is mostly traffic. I drive here <laughs> after work, after a long, hard day. Sit in an hour of traffic, uh-huh. and then we record, and then I edit, and then I put it up that night usually, or maybe yep. sometimes I get a day or two to do it. Okay. But what does this mean to yes. me and you? It means fun. It means okay. friendship. It means documentaries, well, guys. Well, for those of you I don't that watch don't watch that, hold on, I'm going on a rant here, dummy. <laughs> I don't watch documentaries. Chris <laughs> watches and loves documentaries. I loves do. them. I hate them. I kind of enjoy some planetary and some space ones. Yep. But for the most part... Name them. one that you've watched. Planet Earth. Planet Earth, the documentary. Yeah, one and two. Okay. And then um, and then he comes here and explains them to me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes longer than the actual documentary itself. Always longer. <laughs> Not always. Yeah, always. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Maybe we need to uh, sleet, sleet. And, of course, my goal is to get you to watch one. Yes, and I never do. Which you still have yet to do. No, I never will. Um, we need to get started, but before we do... Um, Tell our listeners, if you don't mind, what they can do to support us around here. Hey, go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Tell us how much you hate us, especially how much you hate me. If we're using vulgar language, you could tell us that, too. But um, if you can't, if you don't listen on Apple, which most of you do, go to Spotify. And on each episode, you can leave us a little review skis. So uh-huh. if you listen to it, 
go ahead and put it on there. They're actually worth a little more than the Apple ones because you have to actually like verify that you listen to the podcast. Oh. They don't let you just review it. Well, and interesting you say that because I'm going to read a few of them at the end of the show. It's a little more nuanced. You have to go I, to each episode. I screwed up last week and I told our listeners that I was going to, but I was so excited and you cut me off. Mm. So this week we will make sure and uh, go ahead and extend those mm. at the end, of the, end mm. of the show. Great. Um, and lastly, Dave, before we jump into part two yes. of The Devil on Trial, can mm-hmm. you tell our listeners who this week's episode is sponsored by. This episode of Down in the Docks is brought to you by Broccoli Farms. Established in 2016 San Diego. By the way, Broccoli Farms 619 on Instagram. Mm-hmm. San Diego, California by Candace entrepreneur Anthony Bird. Our friend Anthony, nice guy. Never met him. Great guy, never met him. Broccoli Farms is a modern take on cannabis brands around the world. By combining new terminology involving cannabis worldwide, Anthony created a cannabis brand that uniquely represents the entire cannabis industry as one. Broccoli Farms. How many times did I say cannabis in that sentence? Three, four, maybe four, five. Four. I think four times. You know what? That's also my fault. The lowest delivery minimum in San Diego. Resin. Resin scraper, bro. Smoking <laughs> Do you ever bowl. scrape resin? Uh, I have no to scrape some that's resin. So dirt ball. I mean, I knew people who would even scrape resin and sell it as hash. Oh, that's just so gross. When yeah. I see a resin scraper, I know I'm not going to hang out with them long because their fingers are always black. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I'm just like, if that's how you're going to be smoking your pot and your scrapers. age, it's not going to work. Okay, let's get it's into okay. uh, episode 66, The Devil trips. on Trial, part two. Now, Dave, when we left off, yes, of course, you'll remember Arnie Johnson was on trial Arnie. for his life. Strongest man in the world. Okay, go on. Okay, because he killed a man. Yes. And of he course, kills, uh, the dude that's like uh, supposedly, maybe, possibly having an affair with Di- Debbie. Debbie. Yeah. Debbie. Yeah, we still don't know what yeah. happens with Debbie. Yeah, I'm anxious to find out. The only thing is, we know that she gave some interviews in 2005. Mm-hmm, and of course, mm-hmm. this documentary came out last month. Yeah. 2023 in right. the fall. I, I keep seeing some little ads for him on Instagram now. Everybody's talking about this documentary. How have you not seen it, Dave? Well, maybe it'll give us a little juice in the downloads. Okay. So after, um, you know, the trial's over, uh, excuse me, not over. When we started the episode, they were just going to trial. So the trial began on October 28th, 19th. Now, you wait, sorry. You mentioned, though, that they didn't really talk about it being... Like, th- at the beginning, very beginning, mm-hmm. it wasn't introduced as like, oh, this guy was possessed by the devil. We're that- going to get into all that. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, w- the trial starts in October 1981. Of course it's October. Now, Well, I guess course. it happens in October. That's why we're doing uh, yeah, Halloween yeah, in November yeah, around yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Alan, now remember, that's David's middle brother. He's the one that they called a fairy because he one? liked to bake cakes. He's a fucking cake boy. Yeah. <laughs> Easy, Dave. I used to bake a lot of cakes oh, with my shut mom. Up. No, I did. You can. I did. We would make coffee cake on Sundays. Mm, would you? Yep. It was cute, th- dude. What's that? It's fucking cute. Yeah, it was so easy. But that was a f- great memory of mine. Left the cake out in the rain. That's a song. Yeah. Anyway, can we get back to Donna Summer? It's Donna Summer. And it took me all day to bake it, and I don't think I'll have that recipe again. You probably don't even know what a cakewalk is, dude. That's a MacArthur Park. Do you know what a cakewalk is? Uh, is that like when you first go into prison? And you walk <laughs> down the aisle and everybody's like, look at them cakes. Look at them You've cakes. heard the term cakewalk, right? Like something's easy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so back in the day. Making a cake as easy as it can be. Back in the day, you'd go to cakewalks. 
And I remember we had these fundraisers at elementary school. Okay. And it's like baked goods. You yeah, sell baked goods to raise money? Yeah, but there was a <clears> thing to it. Like you'd have to walk around and like you landed on a certain number. They'd say stop. And that was the cake you won or something. Wow, dude. I remember it. It's though. crazy in the 40s. Yeah. Those games. <laughs> All right, let's get back to Alan. He says, "Late forties. We, as a family, thought Arnie would be found innocent because just before the war ends, we were going right, to have the priest and the Warrens and all the evidence we gathered, the audio recordings, the photographs, and we'd be able to show the court Arnie did not commit murder and he was possessed. Yeah, because he challenged the beast. Fucking, he's yeah. It's no, no." Well, Martin Manella, if you'll recall, he's Arnie's defense attorney. He says the prosecution was pushing for a maximum sentence for a guilty conviction. They should have drug tested him when they arrested him. What? For uh, shit. For, for devil? For, for GHB or something. I don't know. Uh, I don't even know if they could do that back then. How long? When was this? 81. Hmm. Yeah, probably could. They had some kind of test. Yeah. Anyway. There's only like five major drug groups. Anyway. Time to meet Walter Flanagan. Now, Walter is the state's attorney, and he says this is a case which the media um, and the Warrens have uh, spent a good time publicizing for their own, I would suspect, financial interest. But mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned, this is routine to the extent it's possible to have a routine homicide. Well, Martin, uh, Arnie's... Open and shut case, Johnson. Defense attorney says to come out and say this was just a bunch of baloney mm -hmm. that we were trying to cover up, you know, just a simple murder case. If Arnie had been convicted of murder, he was facing 25 to life. Yeah. Well, Mike Allen, uh, news director of WINEAM, Wine, oh, Wine Time, says getting inside the courthouse was extremely difficult. It was SRO. Nobody knew what exactly to expect. What the fuck's SRO? Standing room only. Oh, shit. It was almost like a shutdown. Was like going, all my shows. <laughs> like yep, a shutdown bar shows. was going to occur with Martin Manila coming in with this demonic possession defense and Judge Robert Callahan having to make a ruling on whether he was going to admit it or not. Well, Arnie says it was a reality check, to be honest with you. Here I was. I'm in court. Never been there before, facing 25 to life, and it was surreal. Well, Martin says, I believe that my client was going to get his day in court. Let the jury evaluate the credibility of what occurred. Not just believe in faith. Believe in actual physical evidence and testimony, and then make up their mind based on this. Isn't this North Carolina? No, it's still Connecticut. Oh, Connecticut, my bad. But it That's never... Right. It's not as good a... It's not, it's not as, you know conservative as a it's not the most conservative of places which place connecticut connecticut's way more conservative than north carolina yes that, but i thought maybe if it was in north carolina you might be getting some actually i believe you yeah, yeah actually, my sister was possessed by the devil too i take that back i don't know if that's connecticut's a little correct. more progressive I mean, than the it's progressive but you have a lot of rich north people. let's just say north yeah yeah okay yeah, they're of the north all right the good old yanks the point is this martin says but it never got that far. We never got the chance. Yeah. Well, Jim Van Sickle, reporter News 4, says the judge listened to precedents, to arguments, and then he said that demonic possession is not an acceptable defense. It is irrelevant in this case and in courts in the United States. It is not science, and he will, uh, he will permit no evidence of demonic possession and devils. 
Jim Jim Van Sickle, News Four Danbury. Still has that fucking radio voice, sort of like that television voice. It's not like you know, like on in like Great Britain. Of course, they come up here and then they come down here. Does anybody tell you that you're really bad at doing accents? Uh, Yeah, it was was like a, a murder and genocide. Over there, Hamas has performed murder and genocide. So now we're not in Britain anymore. We're in the Middle East. Is that I, what you're No, doing? I'm just saying they're reporting on the Middle East. That's a British BBC. Back to Arnie. Murder and genocide. Back to, right. back to Arnie. He says, of course, I'm devastated. And you can hear all the sighs from the family like, oh, my God. You know, that was their whole defense. We're going with he was possessed by the devil. And, of course, throwing this out. Well, David, he was, of course, the original 11-year-old child that was possessed by the devil that transferred into Arnie. He says, in court, now you brought this up before, Dave. In court, you had to put your hand on the Bible and swear on the Bible. Goddamn right. But that's okay. Imagine his hand starts to sizzle. Everybody's like, ah! He starts like doing something. He invites like a magician. How can we trick these people? How can we, how can we get some props in here? Well... But his point is this. I wonder if that's ever been done. But that's okay. But other than that, they don't believe anything in supernatural or the devil. How does that work? So, very good point here. The hypocrisy. Tradish. Pointing out here. Of course. Put your hand on the Bible. But then what? I'm not allowed to uh, talk about Lucifer? I mean, we even talk about schools, how we're supposed to be separation of church and state. But like what our fucking... There's no just, Bibles in schools. I'm just saying... No, but I'm just saying... But like, how, but that doesn't extend to what the fucking the not the, the public, court system. The court, the court system. No, no. Yeah, exactly. In fact, you know, um, you have to. Of course, when you get sworn in by president, you have to put raise, your hand on the Bible. Yeah. you know. So you put your right hand on the but Bible, or you put your left hand on the Bible. Here's you raise the thing. Your right hand. Here's the thing. I've always wondered. I do know that if you do um, get uh, presidented, you can pick whatever book you want. So technically, you could put your hand on the Quran, or you really? could. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Or you could. It just has to be any book. But is that the law? Like it's any book you have to yeah. swear upon. A, Apparently, raise your right hand and repeat after me. Yeah, I solemnly swear. Are you telling me to do this right no, now? I'm just saying that like that's kind of how they do it these days. They don't really make you put your hand on anything. You still have to put your hand. It's on like a, a book. ceremonial thing. Not though. it. Not it. When you get nominated. I wonder what the legal. Not when you get inaugurated. What the legalese are about. I, it. And which one is it? So is you put your right hand on the Bible and raise I don't your know. left. I don't know. I've always. I, can't, I don't know. We're not looking it up. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, back to Mike with W I N E A M. Tell He's, us in the comments. He says right in front of me the five or six Catholic priests who were there got up in unison it was almost like it was rehearsed and they marched out never to be heard from again and the church never commented on the case moving forward so obviously that must have been a ploy by the you know defense to instruct them hey if they toss out our argument you clergymen stand up and walk out of here because you know you got to hold on to the uh notion that uh, there are wow, devils. they're like fucking. They're like mind fucking the priests now too. Even they're like, hey, hey, look, you invite a bunch of clergymen over and they all walk out. Ooh, that's powerful. <laughs> These guys are great marketers. Or what if it was the church's idea? You yeah, know? well, you know, same shit. Anyway, it was coordinated. Is the point? Yeah. Arnie says, "I felt abandoned. 
didn't have the chance to tell the whole truth, but they never allowed the truth. So I felt lost. Well, what do we do now? Well, Mike says... They never allowed the truth? Like, Well, that's their truth. Yeah. I was possessed. Yeah, but like he just forget. He just doesn't remember any of it. No, the point is, their entire defense is that he's possessed by the devil. But the judge is saying you cannot present that as evidence. It's not allowed. So he's like, "What are we going to do now? We got to come up with a whole new defense." Well, Mike says it became a very difficult case for the defense because you had the signed statements with the police of his sisters who said they saw Arnie stab Alan. And if you couldn't say, yeah, but he did that because of demonic possession, you're left with, he stabbed him. Now, remember Debbie, she says, I never saw anybody stab anybody. Every, every, well, all the hell said she was, was there. Yeah, she admitted to being there. Yeah, well, no, I'm saying the police said that she was there when he was being stabbed. Yeah. So she was there when he was being stabbed. Correct. So she didn't see him. She didn't see anybody stab anybody. She saw the devil stabbing. That's what killing. my point was. Yeah, when yeah, she yeah. says all hell broke loose, yeah, yeah. You, that I think is what they were alluding to. Well, Martin Manella, this is Arnie speaking, says, uh, he told me the only thing we can do is go for self-defense. And he goes, that's the plea we're going to present. Not guilty of murder in first degree manslaughter. Well, Martin says the problem is self-defense isn't retaliation. In other words, if somebody came at you, you might stab them once, maybe twice, but a number of times, because if you do that, self-defense is out the window. Now, you got to remember, he got stabbed, Alan Bono, four fucking times. And Mike says to suddenly say that it was self-defense when it wasn't put forward as that from the beginning certainly seemed unusual. Uh, Arnie says that was the only way that I would have a chance to not go to jail for 25 years. I had to take the stand. It was kind of difficult to take the stand because I really didn't remember what happened. And that's what I told them. Well, Mike says, I think everybody felt this was just a very unfortunate story on so many different levels. But at the same time, there was somebody who was dead and somebody who had caused that death and justice had to be done. Well, the verdict comes out November 24th, 1981. Not guilty. David says, there was tension in our family. My sister was horrified that he was going to be convicted of murder, and he'd spend the rest of his life in jail. Well, uh, Ar hmm? uh -huh, go on. Arnie says, I was brought to the courtroom. The room was filled. The judge came, and he got the verdict from the foreman of the jury. I was extremely nervous and terrified. The verdict was not guilty oh, shit. of murder in the first degree. Okay, right. Guilty of manslaughter okay, right, right, in the first degree. Right, 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 right. Then we came to sentencing. Time for our over and under. Right, 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 right. Dave? Oh, over under? I'm going to set it at 10 years. Over under 10 years? Mm -hmm. I'm going to say... I think probably got 17. Okay. He says, I remember Judge Callahan's words to this day. I have no alternative but to give you the maximum sentence allowed. 10 to 20 years to a maximum security prison. When I was handed the sentence, Debbie jumped up and told the judge, Callahan, you're sick. You're insane. And then she just went running and crying. When I was exiting the courthouse, Debbie broke through the camera people, ran up to me, and gave me a kiss. Aww. Well, there was a photographer 
uh, a photographer. Photographer. Hey, photographers. Photographer. Photographers. Your blockbuster. Photographer. Who captured this? Captured, captured this okay, kiss. Okay, okay. That's how English people talk. Captured. Who captured this kiss? And the headline from the the newspaper says, "Demon lovers." <laughs> God. So, it's not even a good one. It's a bad one. But is demon lovers from something that I'm not understanding no, the reference no, to, like just, a song or something. The point is, you have this couple kissing, and the title <sighs> reads "Demon lovers." So it's, it's so lame. Well, Arnie says, I told Debbie. Kiss of chaos. I want you to go on and live your life because I don't know what's going to happen to mine. This well, way, you fucking killed the person I was fucking. So ugh. this way you still have a life. And she started to cry. She goes, you don't love me. I oh said, I do love you. That's why I'm giving fuck? you freedom. The fuck? And she goes, no, I will never leave you. Oh, great. Well, Debbie from 2005, she says, I've always said it from the beginning. Arnie's innocent. He's been to hell and back. Hilarious. <laughs> I know, right? These Alan, people, who writes this stuff? Alan says, my mom was very upset about it. Mm-hmm. She knew that he was under demonic possession. <laughs> the damn possession. He was a nonviolent person, and she felt horrible for Arnie. My mom wanted the story told. She wanted to tell the truth and wanted people to know what was going on. Well, let's go to the Merv Griffin show, shall we? Merv Griff. Seated next to me is a mother of a once-possessed child, and she's here to share her story. Tell me how David is today. Oh, this is Judy Gladsell, and she says, well, he's not possessed anymore. What color was the background? Uh, like everything in the 70s. Brown. Brown. Burgundy. Orange. Burgundy. God. He's, he's out of possession, right? Uh, totally normal. And Arnie still has a lot of problems. Well, Ed Warner, he's on a, another show. He says, here's a young man who is now in prison. He's serving 10 to 20 years sentence for manslaughter for something. How old was he when he went in? Ish. 19, I think. What? Yeah. Arnie was, damn, so these people yeah. moving quickly up yeah. there in the fucking Dog in the north. Yeah. Fucking Nukainen. So... He's sentenced to 10 to 20 years for manslaughter for something, you know, he's not even really responsible for. Well, Carl, older brother. What does that even really mean? I I love how these people just use this nomenclature in their everyday life. Like, yeah, he was possessed by the devil. I mean, come on. But he's not really responsible for it. No, of course not. Carl says after the trial, my mother ended up going to Hollywood. We all got to fly on. Of course she did. We all got to fly on a jet. On the aeroplane. And go fly, fly. We got picked up in a limo. We got to go to dinner with Dick Clark. Wow. She was enjoying it. I bet she was. She was very excited, and she couldn't believe this was happening to her. But Ed and Lorraine had an agenda. They said, you are going to be millionaires. Hmm. Well, David, he says, the Warrens told me that they were going to do a book. Wow. They already had the author lined up, which I guess he did a previous book for them. And they brought Mr. Brittle up to talk with us. <laughs> Who gets Mr. a guy to write a book about the devil called Mr. Brittle? <laughs> and Mr. Brittle asks us a bunch of questions. Well, Carl says, Ed said, make it scary. He goes, but I checked with the people. Mr. Brittle. I'm trying to think of what movie Mr. Brittle was from. But like the ch- name gone. I checked, Mr. Brittle's like, I checked with people and, you know, they said this didn't happen. And Ed goes, just make it scary, Mr. Brittle. <laughs> people come to us, 
They buy scary. Ed God. Lorraine Warren took over six Sleazy months. Sleazy eighties fucking agents and managers. Six months, and then they come back and they've got the paperwork for you know the mother, and she's like, "Should we get a lawyer?" And Lorraine's like, "No, dear, no, dear." William Morris has like a whole floor of lawyers. They do, but it's, you know, not for them. It's for use. No. Right. Yeah, Philip Morris, the fucking largest fucking conglomerate. When we hear a tape-recorded phone call. Agents. Tape-recorded phone call from Lorraine Warren to Judy Glatzel. Now, this is from February 87. Tire six years later. Hello? Hi, Lorraine. Judy. Hi, Judy. How are you doing? Good, dear. Did you find anything out? What, what, honey? Uh, about the book or anything? Oh, everything is great. Okay, good. Because you put so much work into this. Mm. We went through all the tragedy, and I'll tell you, we need that money, just like you do. Oh, boy. Well, Carl says, my mother and father received $4,500. Oh, shit. But Ed and Lorraine received 81000 and some change. Ed and Lorraine. Uh-huh. Which one's Ed and Lorraine? The people that are writing the book. Well, uh, they hired, hired uh, Brittle, okay, but right, they're right, right. the paranormal investigators. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Three days, Dave. And it all goes out the window in your little head. I just couldn't remember Ed and Lorraine. They're the, I wasn't they're sure the investigators. Was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So David says, Lorraine told me I was going to be rich and a rich little boy from having this book deal. Well, that was a lie. The Warrens made a lot of money off us. If they can profit off you, they will. They're not going to pass up that deal. Well, Carl says, when my mother realized that she was getting, as she calls it, hoodwinked, she lost faith in them. They were good at what they did. And they knew how to talk to people and knew how to play people. They were very, very good con people. Well, Alan says, my brother David, he felt guilty over the whole thing. He was heartbroken, actually, because he knew Arnie was innocent. Well, Arnie says, I could never have made it through this without Debbie's support. The support gave me hope. Then in 1985, we actually got married in prison. They show the pictures, by the way. Um, You know, she wears a white dress. He's in his prison uni. And he says she was beautiful. She was radiant. I couldn't wait to hold her. I w- it was great. No, no mention of conjugal visits. I don't know if that was allowed. Well, <coughs> good news, depending on whose side you're on. Arnie Cheyenne Johnson was released from prison in 1986. So he ended up serving five years. Right. He and Debbie Glassell wow. remained, remained together until she died. In 2021. Who got that 4,500? That's what the family got. <laughs> that was the entire family. Yeah, that's so crazy. Well, Arnie well, says... Well, that's how you know fucking book deals and modern art are all scams. It's Hollywood. Sure. It's Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Money laundering. Arnie says, this whole thing changed my life. Brought me more to religion. I am not possessed. I never had an exorcism. But I'm not possessed. And I kind of look like Judge Judy right now. Okay. Well, that's great because this show is audio. I know and that. Can't see you know, it's funny is because you're wearing a black long t-shirt and a little uh-huh. of the white underneath shirt uh-huh. is, is piercing through like okay. the little neck thing that she has. And your hair is long and with the glasses. You watch Judge Judy as well. I love on. Judge Judy. She's the shit. Sorry. You know on. that she's one of the richest people I in do all know of that. Hollywood. She has one of the best deals in Hollywood yeah. too. 
that like is ridiculous. I mean, but she puts in the numbers. Yeah. She's she, hitting like fucking, I don't know, I think she hits two mil. They crank those out, bro. Yeah. They shoot like three or four of those a day, dude. Uh, yeah. You know. I think she's hitting numbers, though. I think she's hitting like two million, two million she, viewers. She, yeah. And I mean, come on. Who's her competitor? Judge Joe Mathis? Yeah. Come on. Who watches joke. that crap? You know, you know what I heard? Yeah. I heard Miss Pat's starting a, uh, a, a judge and show. A judge show, dude. Yeah, go for it. Why not? I love Miss Pat, man. She's the shit. My titty out. My titty out. Material or my titty out? My titty out. Okay. Let's get back to Arnie. He says, look, I wasn't possessed. Disneyland. But now I know what prayers Sorry. to say. So I'm very much in control. My faith keeps me strong. So everything seems to be fine. Life is moving forward. I think this whole case affected the entire family. It scarred everybody. Well, Alan, he says it twisted all of our lives upside and down, and it's difficult to talk about because it's been over 40 years, but it changed us and has had long-lasting effects on everyone in the family. Carl, he's the eldest, he says, we're at that point where we're basically all scattered you know, none of us really talk to each other anymore. And David says, you know, seeing these pictures, they make me scared again and very sad because there's an 11-year-old boy having a normal childhood until this happened. I got to deal with that every day. Well, bombshell time. Carl says, well, this story, you want to know who's telling the truth? After my parents died, my wife and I were going through their belongings. My mother wrote everything down. She had OCD. It'd be on a piece of paper, a calendar, whatever. She write notes down. In this one note, it said, well, the family had their medicine tonight and everything was good. Hmm. As we looked into things, Ludes, huh? we realized there's more to this medicine. Heroin ludes. We found out that okay. she was putting Somonex in the uh -huh. food. And she'd been giving it to the whole family for quite a long time. Whoa. See? Yeah. So this... So what is this? That's... I think it's Munchausen's Paprox. Yeah, but <laughs> you know? what is that shit? What is... What is Salmonex? Salmonex. It's a, it's a downer, but it, mm -hmm. they still make it. So like Benadryl. So he was just having like seizures and shit. No, no. <laughs> like it, the, it, it's going to knock you out. It's yeah, going to make you drowsy. For drowse. the guys, but for the, the, the kids and shit. Well, yeah, I mean... Just fucking... He's just coming off of it. He just... <laughs> <laughs> raging off of the pills they show an old oh, that's crazy they show an old salmonex commercial it's like a cartoon some people could fall asleep any place but did simple tension keep you awake last night take oh, some salmonex tonight oh, God. and sleep salmonex salmonex is absolutely non-habit forming just mm -hmm. take two salmonex tablets as directed for a hundred percent safe sleep and wake up refreshed mm -hmm. well carl says he remembers his mother serving dinner and he says her bowl was always separate from ours Whoa. so she had spaghetti everybody eats out of the bowl but hers would be separate it's like want more she goes no i'm good i'm good i believe my mother mother used somonix to control all of us boys and my dad crazy at the end of the day if everybody's <sighs> tired and exhausted well guess what Mm. everybody's going to rest and just sit down. There's no more problems. Yeah. But Salmon X has long-lasting effects on people. Sure. Mood swings. Yeah. Weight gain. 
Hallucinations. Yeah, hallucination. It is very possible that my brother David had ingested enough of this stuff over the years where he did see things. Yeah, that's gay. I'll kill you. Jesus is going to die in hell. That's where the slow voice comes from. Or at least he thought he saw things. I'll murder you, you bastard! Between David, Arnie, my brother Alan, they were all victims at the end of the day. My mother, this is David, would not drug us. My mom cared about us. The truth is, when I was 11 years old, I was possessed by a uh, demonic spirit. I can tell you that. That's what the truth is. I have no reason to lie about anything. I guess, like my dad, I just go out and buy a piece of junk and fix it just to stay occupied, just to stay busy. Because idle hands make the devil's work. Yeah. When the, when the hands are, the, when the hands are moving, the mind is at ease or some shit like that. Well, keep in mind. When the hands when are working, says the, this, eyes, the mind is at ease. He says this. Yeah. We take another look at his wrist. Yeah. And he's got the bowling wrist on. Oh, no. The bowling brace on. Well, schizophrenia is not cool. That's how it ends. Wow. Amazing. So, yeah, that's how it ends. Wow. Cool. Yeah. You have a lot of pages there left. I do, because we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Well, as I already told you, this is a three and a half star doc. Okay, it's yeah, right. Yeah. Short and sweet. They How just, long is it? Maybe 119 minutes. Solid. You're in and you're out. Yeah. But it's so well crafted. Uh. Shot so well. And um, there's there's some really cool things they do cinematically where they show the Polaroids, but they'll move the Polaroids kind of like so you get a different angle behind the old pictures um, while they're telling the stories. Okay, that's kind of cool. And, you know, they show the react- recreations of the house shaking, and it's super creepy. It gave me the chills. Now, I'm not a horror fan. I don't watch a lot of horror. I mean, I've seen, like, The Exorcist. I'll watch the classics, but I could... Couldn't tell you what's trending in horror these days. I've never seen Jeepers Creepers or any uh, a Saw movie I've never seen. It's just not my thing. Same. So I've seen some <laughs> of those, but I mean, I'm not like out seeking it. If it happens, it happens. Yeah. By the way, I was going to make a horror, horror pun, but uh-huh. didn't. Oh. Show some growth. <laughs> You're progressing as a yes. human being. Yes. Well, the trial of Arnie Johnson. Low-hanging fruit, they might say. Uh-huh. Um, is the first known court case in the U.S. in which the defense sought to prove innocence based upon the claim? Yeah, of but that they didn't even get to—they didn't even get to say shit and that's bullshit. I mean, I I could just say, oh yeah, I was possessed, and then be the second. I mean, no, but it was the point is, it, it was, was the first time it was tried to to yeah, be used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, tried to be used. Gerald Brittle's sure book, not the first. If you want to keep going, is called The Devil in Connecticut. Wow. And um, there was a live action TV prequel titled Where Demons Dwell, which was released in August 31st, 2006. Now, the story was later made into the film adaptation of The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which was released in 2021. Cool. I I know these Conjuring films are hot. I hear people talking about them. Yeah. Well, they also, this is Debbie and uh, Arnie. They predicted, if you wanted, this is a deep dive. If you want more, 
of The Devil on Trial, they did a show on Discovery Channel's A Haunting. It's called okay. A Haunting is the show. Just haunting. A Haunting. A Haunting. Um, the episode is entitled Where Demons Dwell. And they said their father was an eyewitness to the de um, uh, demonic possession. And they still to this day support the Warrens' recollection of events, which makes sense. Um, they asserted that paranormal activity began after they went to clean up the rental property. Okay, that's when David allegedly first saw this old man. And they say, we thought David was just making up the old man excuse to avoid cleaning. Okay, but according to David in this piece, David informed them that the old man had vowed to harm the Glatzels if they moved into the rental home. David's visions of the old man included the man appearing as a uh, demonic beast who muttered Latin and threatened to steal his soul. Okay. Now, here's my question. What kind Would of you, accent does David have? It's, it's the, you know, they it's say Connecticut. is Connecticut, but it's not heavy like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Jersey. I, know. I got, yeah. got in-laws from Connecticut. So, um, uh, allegedly they heard, you know, the strange noises in the attic. I guess my question is this. Would 11-year-old even know what Latin was at the time? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. But no one ever, um, uh, no one but David was, you know, uh, capable of seeing the old man. Sure. Um, now, after David experienced the night terrors and the strange be behavior, um, they said that they saw scratches and bruises all over him. And that's when they called the, the priests who blessed the house. And, you know, that's when they concluded that we were not renting this house. Sure. And so they didn't stay in the house. Wow. Now, 12 days after the original incident, that's when demonologist Ed and Lorraine come to assist. Mm. And you'll recall Lorraine said she saw that black mist materialize next to David and then looked over and said, there's something wrong with that boy. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. Well, Debbie... Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the fucking... Yeah, the yeah, the Twin Peaks shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was not in the documentary. They had said David had started to growl, hiss, speak in otherworldly voices, and recite yeah, passages. He's all fucking hopped up on fucking lewds, dude. But here's what he was reciting. He was reciting passages from the Bible and Paradise Lost. What's Paradise Lost? Buddy... Have you ever taken a lit course in your life? No. Milton's Paradise Lost? No. The most, probably one of the most famous books in the 17th century. Wow. It's his epic poem. Mm -hmm. I think it's 10,000 lines plus a verse of uh, heaven and hell, basically. Cool. Uh, I've heard of it. Paradise Lost. Have you heard of the documentary Paradise Lost? No. We'll cover that one, too. Great. Um, anyway, then he gets the lesser exorcisms, not the full-blown ones. But Lorraine claimed, the yep, the Lorraine claimed that he <laughs> levitated and also had ceased breathing and even demonstrated the supernatural ability of precognition. Pre you say precom or something? Precognition. Wait, what do you, what do you, so, she, so the sister is saying that, that she saw Not him the sister. Oh. Lorraine is saying Which one's this. Lorraine? <sighs> Lorraine and Ed Warren. These are the two agent... The two agents? Asians? Agents. Yeah, no, they're not like agents. They're, they're fucking... paranormal investigators. Oh, invest... Oh, oh, my bad, my bad. Okay, okay, okay. okay. So they're just... Okay. All they're right. claiming David had precognition. Kind of fucking okay? bullshit. Specifically in relation to the manslaughter 
Johnson would later commit. Okay. Hmm. Now, according according to eyewitness testimony, yeah. Arnie Johnson. What does that even mean? Well, you're going to test <laughs> testimony. Arnie Johnson coerced one of the demons purportedly within David to possess him while participating in the exorcisms, sure. as we know. Allegedly. Now, a haunting veers away from the circumstances of Johnson's possession as described by those involved. According to the show, a few days after Johnson egged the demon on during the exorcism, he was attacked rather viciously by the demon, which allegedly took control of his car and forced him to hit a tree. God. But Johnson was the unharmed. Devil made me do it. Now again, yeah, so. I think this is just drunk driving. <laughs> yeah, because these exactly people, these Dri- people were driving while on downers on Carlos Rossi. I mean, these guys are having a big bowl of fucking big um, bowl of lewds, Sama spaghetti. Fucking, and then uh, and then uh, maybe having a beer or two. Even no, they were all on the wine. There you go, that fucking vino and that spank. What is it called again? Spank? Spanix? Somonex. Somonex. Somonex in the yeah. bud? Um, Get tipsy. Well, in both the dra- dramatized version and his personal account, Johnson said that this was his final enca- encounter with the demon while completely lucid. Wait, lose are not uppers, right? Lose are downers. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Just want to make sure. Quaaludes. Uh, Quaaludes. Yeah. After encountering the demon at the well, okay, he made eye contact with it and he became possessed. So apparently there's a whole experience down at the well they never even talked about. Down at the well. Yeah. So the Warrens claim to have warned him not to do this, meaning uh, saying, hey, come at me, demon. Take me instead. Um, and <laughs> what? <laughs> Did a fucking meeting down at the well. Hey, hey psst. You want to hear a quick little side story real quick? Yeah, of course. Okay. When I was in high school, uh, Laverne is like a couple cities away from us, but we knew that Charles Manson's property was in Laverne, and uh, we'd drive by his house, you know, on the weekends or something, just to like go on a blaze cruise or whatever. And um, we, th- there's a gate, um, but you can kind of see see through gate, and there's like you know waist high grass, and maybe a hundred yards. Down, you can see we weren't sure if it was a bell or a well. Mm-hmm. So we'd always like, you know, egg each other on to go and all right, first person to go ring the bell or pull the well, pull the yeah. bucket up the well, whatever. So finally, one day we got enough courage to jump over and start going towards to it. the bell well. Doggy, we got 10 yards uh-huh. and we just started hearing all kinds of shit in the tall grass uh-huh. like snakes and mice and cats and who knows what the mm-hmm. fuck. We booked it like two little pussies. Was it? Was it three, dark? Four little pussies. dark out. Or night? Oh, it was midnight. Yeah. Well, moons the dark out. changes everything. Moons out, dude. Spider webs. No plan. No, you can't go out during the day. It's boring. Yeah. No cell phones. It's good old days. Let's get back to the killing. Let's <laughs> let's get back to the killing. On February 16, 1981, Johnson had called in sick to his job at Wright Tree Service and joined Debbie in the kennel where she worked along with his sister, Wanda, and Debbie's nine-year-old cousin, Mary. Well, Bono, the couple's landlord, and Debbie's employer at the kennel, remember, she used to date him, um, they all go out to the local bar and they proceed to drink heavily. Well, after lunch, Mm. the group goes back to the kennel. Debbie then took the girls to get pizza but insisted they return quickly 
anticipating trouble. When they returned, Bono, intoxicated at this point, became agitated. Everyone left the room at Debbie's urging except Bono, who seized Mary and refused to let her go. Mary is a little <laughs> they're girl. Just, they're just all agitated because they're awake, basically. <laughs> they're just mad because they're up. He's like, fucking, oh, why don't I have so much energy? Well, Johnson headed back to the apartment and ordered Bono to release Mary. None of this is discussed in The Devil on Trial. Wanda recounted the following events to the police. Mary ran for the car as Debbie attempted to mitigate the situation by standing between the two men. Wanda tried in vain to pull Johnson away. Johnson, growling like an animal, then drew a five-inch pocket knife and stabbed Bono repeatedly. Whoa. Bono died, Bono died several hours Whoa. later. Whoa. What? It's crazy. It's like a whole other murder that happened during this thing. Well, the point is we have eyewitness testimony from uh, these girls that yeah. were there. They, yeah. And they're like, I want to say 9 to 13. Yeah. Well, according to Johnson's lawyer, Bono had suffered four or five tremendous wounds, mostly to his chest. One that stretched from his stomach God, to the base so, of his heart. So savage fucking yeah. stabbings. So I saw the, the wounds. They're, they're about the size of a quarter. But this wound, they're saying, is stretching from his stomach to the base of his heart. So that must have been an upward yeah. stabbing motion. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. He was Just, getting, getting them lungs. Well, anyway, Johnson was discovered two miles from the site of the killing. <laughs> and then Sergeant Gordon Fairchild of the Brookfield Police Department. Got to go more Department, than two miles, dude. Yeah. Said he helped arrest Johnson on an assault charge while Alan Bono was still being treated at the hospital. So he didn't die on scene. He said Johnson told, told him he did not mean to hurt anyone and was unable to remember anything. Mm -hmm. While putting him into the police cruiser, Johnson said, quote, I need help because I've got a drinking problem, unquote. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's called blacking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> When Johnson was informed at police headquarters that Bono had died, Fairchild said the suspect became incoherent and then fell asleep for 20 to 25 minutes. Solid. So if you're told that somebody's dead, mm -hmm. okay, that you just killed and you pass out, that means you're super fucked up. Yeah. Okay. That would be a good prank. I would think that would just sober just about anybody up. That would be a great prank. Find we should try. <laughs> find somebody who's hungover, put some <laughs> fucking fake blood on them, and then fake cops go and, you know, wake them up. And I be think like, that might have been done before. <gasps> Dude, these Japanese ones are savage. Have you seen these Japanese prank shows? I have not. Some of them are crazy. When Johnson Next awoke, level shit. police detective Sergeant John Lucas advised him of his rights per Miranda. I'm just kidding. Say that. Charged <laughs> Arnie Johnson one, with first degree murder, and he was held in the Bridgefield Correctional right Miranda. Center, and the bail was set at one hundred twenty-five thousand. Um, this was the wow, first unlawful, unlawful killing in the history of Brookfield, Connecticut. Pussies. So, <laughs> the day after the killing, Lorraine Warren informed the Brookfield, Brookfield police that Johnson was possessed when the crime was committed. So she swooped in right away. I think she she and Ed were really just 
trying to create this controversy, trying mm. to will this literally. So because they're thinking long term, right? You know, if we can spin this, then we got a story. So they, it's kind of like they were in the right place at the wrong, wrong right time. Right? Yeah. Right, wrong place at the right time. No, they're at the right place at the right time. <laughs> so, um, of course, the media zooms in at this point. There's he, Everybody's hanging out, wanting to talk to the Warrens. And um, then Martin Manella, he receives calls from all around the world um, because at this point, the press is running away with it and calling it the demon murder trial. So, as we noted, Manella traveled to England to meet with lawyers who'd been involved in similar cases. Um, and those cases that where they used dem- demonic possession, they were settled pre-trial. It sounds like a fucking tax write-off trip. Hey, honey, let's go to England. Fucking write it off on this idiot. Ugh. Well, he went as so far as to say he planned to bring in exorcism specialists from Europe. Did he? And threatened to subpoena the priests who oversaw David Glatzel's Ooh, exorcisms if they did not cooperate with the defense. So well, I thought they didn't cooperate with the defense. Yeah, but this is before yeah. they walked out. This yeah. is before they the judge threw yeah, out, yeah, yeah. threw that stuff out. I mean, they didn't really cooperate with shit. They just had one stunt. Uh the jury deliberated for fifteen. That fucking hours. lawyer should lose his fucking degree. Why? Or his fucking something because that's some bullshit. He should have the fucking wherewithal to be like, sir, you can't do that. And then just to keep going along with it. You fucking ruined a person's life. So it's a lawyer's fault? Sure. Yeah, he needs to have the wherewithal to I like... I don't think you know how lawyering works. D- no, I do know <laughs> how lawyering works <laughs> okay. a little bit. But the like, you have an ethical and moral code to like not give bad uh, advice. So you think his defense of demonic possession was bad advice? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um... The jury deliberated for 15 hours. You literally are not giving any defense. It's not what you're doing is technically illegal. What you're trying to do, it's not of the law. You sound really upset about this. It's just, I'm just hitting me right now. Like, who would even let this fucking lawyer? Like, if I were the judge, yeah, I would reprimand the lawyer and be like, "You you gotta get a new lawyer. You can't fucking have this idiot. This guy's fucking thinks you're. Possessed by the devil. I don't care if that's what you think. You have to understand the whole town was caught up in this. So yeah. I'm with the defense attorney. If I can corral this, if I can push this forward, uh, why not try something? You know what you got to do is you got to start dropping subtle hints like that you're talking about, but you're not really talking about it. Huh? I wonder what possessed him to do that. <laughs> hmm. Now, would you say that it was what color would you say he was? Would you say he was a devilish red or, you know, shit like that? I see where you're That going. wasn't as good. Um, well, there's more. The Devil in Connecticut, which was, uh, of course, written by Mr. Brittle at the behest of Lorraine. Oh, and I know. Warren. It's the Brittle Brothers from Django. That's where I kept getting it from. Gotcha. The Brittle Brothers. Um, sources confirm. Ra- Little Raj. Right, Sources confirmed that two thousand was paid to the murderer's family. Um, by the how book much pu- two thousand. Well, once the book comes out in two thousand six, okay. David David and his brother Carl sued the authors for uh, 
violating their right to privacy, libel, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. Carl also claimed that the book alleged he committed criminal and abusive acts against his family and others. Hmm. He said that the possession story was a hoax concocted by Ed and Lorraine Warren to exploit the family and his brother's mental illness, and that the book presented him as the villain because he didn't believe in the supernatural claims. Mm. He asserted that the Warrens told him the story would make the family millionaires and would help get Johnson out of jail. Well, according to Carl, the publicity generated by the incident forced him to drop out of school and lose friends and business opportunities. So he started writing his own book in 2007 titled yeah. Alone Through the Valley. Oh, it's pretty sick uh -huh. name. Lorraine Warren defended her work with the family, claiming that, of course, the six priests who were involved in the minor exorcisms oh, great. agreed six, at the why time. Why do you need all six of them? Jesus Christ. That the boy was possessed yeah. and that the supernatural events yes, she described. Yes, it's my turn with the child. Uh, anyway, no appendant verification of this claim about the yeah. priest's alleged views was provided. Brittle. Yes, child. You Brittle. are possessed. Brittle, oh, author of The Devil in Connecticut, says he wrote the book because the Allegedly. family wanted the story told. He also possesses video. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yep. Oh, Just oh, see if you're paying attention. With 100 hours of interviews with the family, and they had signed off uh, on the book as accurate before it went to print. Glatzel's father, he's the one that wore the fuck you... Uh, had around yeah the real straight shooter of the family huh he denies telling the author that his son was possessed wow uh -huh. are these change are these stories changing now or are they being real you think you think they're bullshit do you think now they're all of a sudden they're saying no they weren't possessed but i i think here's what i think okay i think the kid yeah probably had some mental illnesses due to the somonex sure for you know and I think everything got exaggerated yeah. by the, the Warrens, and they saw this as an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And then it just so happened mm -hmm. that David's brother-in-law uh, had a drinking problem. Mm -hmm. And they lucked out because David's brother-in-law, Arnie, was with Debbie, mm -hmm. who was fucking Alan Bono. Yeah. And they probably had a little, uh, had a little tryst going. This is some white trash fucking. Uh huh. Everybody, er, the body ends up dead. And yeah. then the Warrens quickly are like, okay, guys, here's what happened. White trash Halloween. This will save you. This will save the family. We're just going to say we went from demon possession to jumping out of David into Arnie. This is how everybody gets out of this. And of course, we'll make a little side cash. Yeah, that's, this is the conversation they had down at the well. Yep. I probably. <laughs> um, so a little bit more about Ed and Lorraine. Um, they're both dead now. Ed died in 2006. <laughs> Lorraine passed in 2019. Oh. Now, they were associated with numerous hauntings. Okay. Um, Ed was a self-taught and self-professed demonologist. Mm -hmm. Lorraine professed... I'm sure they also gave out the classes and had seminars. <laughs> we're going to get to that. Lorraine oh, professed to be clairvoyant mm -hmm. and a light trance medium. Who worked uh, closely alongside Not a remote her viewer, huh? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yep. Yeah, you do. What remote oh, viewer? You know what it means. What does it mean? You just think about it. And it, just think about what remote viewing might be. Oh, it's exactly what is you it think like it is. Uh, minority report? Precognition? Sure. 
I mean, it's just like being able to see in other places. Got it. Well, a little it's like being able to see other places, like if you're given a task. Got it. In 52, the Warrens founded the New England Society for Psychic Research called Nesper. Um, the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. So I didn't know. I figured ghost hunting went back way further than that. Um, they authored many books, of course, and they claim to have investigated over 10,000 cases during their careers. And uh, according to the Warrens, the <clears throat> official website of Nesper, Vi uh, Viviglam magazine and several other sources, the Nesper uses a variety of individuals, including medical doctors, researchers, police officers, nurses, college students, and members of the clergy in its investigation. Investigation. Yep. Uh, of course, they have all the, you know, Conjuring Universe films. Um, well, skeptics Perry DeAngelis and Stephen Novella investigated the Warren's evidence and described it as Blarney. Okay. So we're going to talk about a couple of their DeAngelis. We're going to talk about some of their most known cases. Blarney. What does Blarney mean exactly? Bollocks. Bollocks. You know, it's bullshit. Like bullshit. Yeah. Um, remember we touched on the Raggedy Ann doll? Yes. That was in the museum? Well, this is the Annabelle doll. Yes. <laughs> okay. According to the Warrens... Annabelle, that's right. I in, love this. In 1968, there were two roommates that claimed the Raggedy Ann doll was possessed by the spirit of a young girl named Annabelle H Higgins. Sexy. So the Warrens took the doll, telling the roommates it was being manipulated by an inhuman presence. Ah. Then they took it to their occult museum and charged five bucks yeah. <laughs> to look at it. Just five bucks just to look at the Something. doll. No, I think it's to get in the whole okay, joint. Okay. The legend of the doll was the inspiration for the Conjuring universe and is a motif in many others. Think about this. This is 1968. Yeah. You got Chucky the doll. Mm -hmm. You remember the doll in you Poltergeist? A, you even have uh, like Gremlins. You have uh, Twilight Zone. Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, that's, ah. you know, there's a lot going on yeah. with the doll. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Dolls are creepy. Yep. They just stare back at you like, hey. Well, the clo don't really talk. The occult if they do music, talk, you should. Yeah. If they talk, they should. You should probably get yourself checked. Absolutely. Um, the Museum of Occult is now closed. Aw. Uh-huh. Uh, COVID? <laughs> COVID got him, huh? Got him another one. I think the Museum of Death closed also recently. The Museum of Death? I think I heard, I heard it's closing or it's closed. Oh, I hope not. I think it is, yeah. Well, let's get back to that doll. Okay. A student nurse was given the doll in 1971. Um, they had said that the doll behaved strangely and that a psychic medium told the student that the doll was inhabited by the spirit of a deceased girl named Annabelle. Let's, let's get one thing straight. Yeah. The doll doesn't move. The doll doesn't behave anyway. Not yet. Doesn't behave, doesn't move. Not yet. The student and her roommate tried to accept and nurture the spirit-possessed doll, but the doll reportedly exhibited malicious and frightening behavior. It is this point that the Warrens say they were first contacted and they moved the doll to the museum after pronouncing it demonically possessed. The doll remained in the glass box at the Warren's Occult Museum until the museum's closing. Well, there's some people that have some comments on this doll, Dave. Uh, Texas State University assistant professor of religious studies, Joseph Laycock, 
Yeah, fucking Laycock. Fucking Laycock. I've dismissed the Warrens Museum as full off the shelf Halloween junk. Dolls and toys, books you could buy at any bookstore. Laycock calls the animal legend, uh, legend an interesting case study in the relationship between pop culture and paranormal folklore. Okay. All right, Museum of Death is not closing. They closed Good. during COVID, and then they focus on their New Orleans plan, and they just brought it back recently. Okay. Back to the doll. Resurrected from the dead. They basically, this Laycock says, it's a demonic trope that's used in countless films, books, and they were just capitalizing on it. Yeah. I'm sure it has even older, pagan, some pagan bullshit. Probably. It's like an effigy, basically. Probably. Um. A science writer, That's why you have to burn it. Sharon A. Hill said that many of the myths and legends surrounding the Warrens have seemingly been of their own doing, um, and separating the Warrens from their Hollywood portrayal. People have difficulty doing that, according to them. Yeah, Hill, just like Seinfeld <laughs> and Elaine and George and Kramer. Hill criticized sensational press coverage of the Warrens Occult Museum of the Annabelle doll. She said, "Like real life, Ed and Warren." Real-life Annabelle is actually far less impressive. Urkel must be the, the most, that must be the hardest one to get away from. Urkel. You're just Urkel the rest <laughs> of your life. Forgot about Urkel. It's the 100% the one, that's the one. There's an Urkel doll, though? No, well, there is an Urkel doll, doll, but I'm just saying that, like, the idea of, like, getting away from those people, like... You know, like I was just saying about Seinfeld, you, yeah. you always think of Seinfeld when you see Seinfeld. Or you always think of, you know, if you ever see Costanza, you know, Alexander on the street, you're just going to think of George. You know what I mean? Yeah. Urkel's got to be the that one. Like, he's the dude. Right? He's got to be the main one. Yeah, I can't that. name anybody else on that show. And it's not just naming him on the show. It's like, he he will always just be known as Urkel. It's like Screech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Diamond Dallas Page. He's What's the guy's life. name? Yeah, he's dead, too. Yeah, I know. Not Diamond Dallas Page. Dustin, da Dustin, Dustin Diamond. Diamond. Yeah, fucking pussy ass name. That guy cut cut us and cut in line at fucking Disneyland one time in front of us. Well, he's girlfriend. dead now. Do you feel yeah. better? <laughs> yes, right. yes, I do. Let me talk a little bit more. All right, because I have a theory here. The dolls just to play for money, bro. Oh, you think? Yeah. Oh, it's, hot take. It's fucking. Wee -oo, wee -oo. It's uh, so what do you call it? it? It's when you create your own IP. Yeah. Because the doll movies. There's multiple of them. There's one in 2014 called Annabelle. Mm -hmm. Then they did Annabelle Creation, the sequel yeah, in 2017. Fucking, nobody owns it. But wait, there's more. Yeah. Annabelle Comes Home in 2019. Yeah. yeah. And apparently the producers did not use the likeness of Raggedy Ann, partially due to potential trademark issues. It's got to be at least 20% different. Is that the rule? <clears throat> well, there's certain rules like that in Hollywood about the 20% rule. Yeah, well, I think Raggedy Ann goes back to like the Depression. I mean, that dog's, doll's been around yeah, the yeah, block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. can pretty much use it at your own will at this point. You could you probably use Raggedy Ann now even for, I don't know. All right. Uh, I don't know if it's in the public, oh, public domain. domain. Raggedy Ann. The, that's what happened with Pickleball. Pickleball became part of public domain. That's why you've been seeing it blowing mm -hmm. up everywhere. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So people were playing it, that's, but it was when I private? Worked, I've, I've, I'm pretty sure I've said this on here before. Yeah. When I worked at Whammo, that's what 90% of research and development did, was research shit that's going to be coming out of going into public domain 
over the yeah. next couple of years and start <laughs> developing your fucking toys. Well, there's scumbags and there's a doc about it who go after people that have uh, trademarks that expire. Yeah. And then they threaten them with litigation, yeah, yeah. steal litigation. it. I forgot what the doc's called. If anybody's listening to this and knows that doc, let me know. They do that shit with websites too. Yeah. But it's just, you know, yeah, bottom fucking, feeding I forget what they pieces call them. They're like, shit. Uh, they, they do have a title for what they do. They're, they're, it's like ambulance chasers for uh, for yeah. copyright. Yeah. Well, That's hilarious. They anyway, do that with music. This, this doll, Annabelle, um, you got the three Annabelle movies. It was all, the doll makes an appearance in The Conjuring. Wow. The Conjuring 2. The it's Curse. Little, the curse it's a little of, Easter egg at this point. It's like the dwarf. <laughs> it's like the fucking traveling gnome. <laughs> It's the Where's Waldo of Dolls and fucking horror movies. Yeah. It was also in The Curse of La Llorona. And that, oh, look at this. Guess guess who's back at The Conjuring? The Devil Made Me Do It 2021. Great. This is weird, bro. Tell it me. extends into the DC Extended Universe wow. of Families. It was in Aquaman, Shazam, um, and yeah, Shazam Fury of the Gods. So this wow. raggedy, I wouldn't know this because I've never watched it. In those the DC Rock was movies. in that one. Oh no, he's in, he's Black Adam. Never mind. He's not. Yeah, he's Black Adam. Okay, let's move on to their work in the <coughs> Enfield Poltergeist. You ever hear of the Enfield Poltergeist? No. Nah. Okay. Well, in 77, the Warrens investigated claims that a family in North London was haunted by poltergeist activity. What well, exactly is a poltergeist? I don't know. Google it. <laughs> so I would assume it just means paranormal entities. I think it has to do something with like how the entity um, gets through the television. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> conjures itself. Um, so anyway, while you're Googling, I'll tell you this. A number of independent observers had already dismissed the incident as a hoax, uh, which was purportedly carried out by attention-hungry children. Oh, this is actually so a poltergeist is a ghost or other supernatural being supposedly responsible for physical disturbances such as loud noises and objects thrown around. Got it. All right. Point is this. Ed and Lorraine show up and everybody's always like, dude, this is just it's German in, in origin. I could have told you that. Poltergeist. Uh, everybody's always already like, hey, Ed, Lorraine. Poltern. Okay. You don't need to, to work on this one. It's just a couple of kids fucking around. All right. So, according to Guy Leon Playfair, he was a parapsychologist. Guy Leon Playfair. Yeah, he he's British. Yeah. Okay. He's a parapsychologist who investigated the Enfield case alongside Maurice Gross, um, and he says that the Warrens greatly exaggerated. It's like a record label, Playfair. It does Playtone. They, was he was basically saying the Warrens exaggerated this one, too. He <clears> stated <throat> in 2016 that they turned up once and that Ed Warren told Playfair the Warrens could make a lot of money out of the case. He corroborated the claim that the Warrens were not invited to the Enfield house and nobody in the family had ever heard of Ed until he showed up. Well, the Enfield poltergeist was a claim of supernatural activity in a house in Brimsdown, Enfield. Brimsden. Which, which Brimsden, correct, which is a little suburb of uh, London. Um, and this occurred between 77 and 79. Now, the alleged poltergeist activity centered on a couple of broads, Janet, she's 11, and Margaret Hod, Hod, Hodgson, 
Hogson. Hodgson? Hodgson. <laughs> She's 13. Hodgson. Well, some members of the Hobson. society Hobson. of uh, psych, uh, <clears throat> psychical. <laughs> Come on. Psychical. Physical. It's physical. You're fucking stupid, dude. The Society of Physical the, Research. You're having a poltergeist. Yep. Under your no, body right now. it's cyclical. It's P S Y C H I C A L. Psychical? 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 Psychical. Psychical. Dude, this is twice I've done this in a row. What is the word? Spell it for me. Okay. P S Y C H I C A L. People are gonna be like, these guys are such dorks. Are you going to the one on YouTube where it spells gonna, it out for it's you? Gonna play it. Psychical. Psychical. Okay, okay you're right. You okay. Is, so another term for psychic. So yeah. Stupid. Okay. So anyway, there's a member of these guys called the Society of Psychical Research. SPR is their God. name. Well, they believe the haunting. That's a bad. That's a word that can be deleted from the def, from the dictionary when the fucking definition is another term for psychic. Correct. So bad. It's a synonym. So we're yeah. just going to say uh, Society of Psychics Research. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway. Psychical. Um, originally Maurice and Guy Leon Playfair, they believed in it, right? But Anita Gregory and John Beloff were unconvinced because they found evidence the girls had fake stories uh, for the benefit of journalists. What if it's like Psychical. It's not. We just played it and we learned how to like psychical, psychical. Like it's like some a Zionist shit. I don't think so. Anyway, some anti-Zionist shit. Since it's German, I'm going to bring up another organization right, which we've spoken about on the show before. That was it's the Committee for the Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal, Jesus also known Christ. as Psychop. This is Good the God. this is the organization that organization. James Randi was affiliated with. Oh, right. Uh, stage magicians. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Okay. Okay. So anyway, these are the claims. In 77, a single parent by the name of Peggy Hodgson called... Hodgson. The, uh, Hodgson. Yeah, I guess so. Called the Metropolitan Police to her rented home. And she said, uh, look, I'm witnessing furniture moving around. And uh, what? Yeah, two of my four kids are here knocking in the walls. Well, this is Janet and Margaret. They're 11 and 13. Yeah, so did Prince. So a police constable shows up and he witnesses the chairs wobbling and sliding. Okay. Oh, okay. Sliding. Okay. Huh? But he can't figure out what's going on. So then they start um, the fish and wire. It was all <laughs> fish and wire. More claims come out of disembodied voices, loud noises, thrown toys, uh, and children levitating. So over 18 months, more than 30 people, including the Hodgson's neighbors, um, journalists and paranormal investigators, say they variously saw heavy furniture moving on its own accord and objects being thrown across the room, and the sisters... Yeah, thrown by somebody. <laughs> These fucking idiots. Nobody's throwing them. And that the sisters were levitating several feet off the ground. Okay, we already saw David Blaine show us how to do that. Correct. Now, many also heard and recorded knocking noises and a gruff noise. Um, so, the P uh, SPR, the Society of Who, Dave? 
psychical, uh, psychical research. Psychical. Okay. Which was the one that Guy Leon Playfair was in. Sure. <laughs> Claimed curious whistling and barking noises coming from Janet's general direction. Now, Playfair maintained that the paranormal activity was genuine and wrote in his book, This House is Haunted, the true story of a poltergeist released in 1980, that an entity was to blame for the Enfield disturbances. He often doubted the children's veracity and wondered if they were playing tricks and exaggerating. Children. Well, yep. Veracity. Yep. Tricks. Uh-huh. Words that, you know, should let you know that probably these kids are not taking anything seriously and playing tricks on you. Well, we're going to get down to the How old are these kids? 11 and 13. Come on. I know I have, uh, my nephews are 11 and fucking 13. Well, Gross and Playfair believe that even though some of the alleged poltergeist activity was faked by the girls, other incidents were genuine. Other paranormal investigators showed up. This is when Ed and Lorraine getting involved. And they were convinced they were of supernatural explanation. Well, Janet, she's the younger she's 11, was detected in trickery. A video camera in an adjoining room caught her bending spoons and attempting to bend an iron bar. Um, she was also observed banging a broom handle on the ceiling and hiding his tape recorder, meaning uh, it's either grosses or Playfair's. Well, according to Playfair, one of Janet's voices, whom she called Bill, displayed a habit of suddenly changing the topic. <laughs> It was a habit Janet also had. When Janet and Margaret admitted pranking to journalists, Gross and Playfair compelled the girls to retract their confessions. The two men were mocked by other researchers for being easily duped. Cyclical, Uh, cyclical. Those pesky kids would have gotten away with it. Cyclical researcher Renee Haynes. Pesky kids would have gotten away with it noted that doubts were raised about the alleged poltergeist voice at the SBR conference in 1978 where video cassettes from Enfield were examined. SPR investigator Anita Gregory stated that Enfield uh, had been overrated, characterizing several episodes of the girls' behavior as suspicious and speculated that the girls had staged some of the incidents for benefit of the gen- journalists. See, we don't get any more of this shit because of tech t- TikTok, thank God. Yeah, they were and Instagram. They were just purposely setting up the uh, journalists. Now everything is fake. Everything is simultaneously fake and real. I guess so. It lives in a superposition. Um, then Unless you, it's obviously fake. Then there was a ventriloquist that showed up, and he said um, that the house... Uh, that Janet was just basically throwing her voice around. Okay. Right. That she was like a pro at that. Yeah. She just get out. Hey, over here. <laughs> hey. Hey, dude. <laughs> hey, dude. Hey. 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 Uh, Playfair. Does my voice Play sound real? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Playfair. What do you think of this voice? Uh, David, I'm over here in the kitchen now. Uh, yeah. Oh, what was that? <laughs> Did you hear those keys dangling? Anyway, um, a couple other people show up and um, they're like, hey, look, um, shit's only happening um, when shit's not getting recorded. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude. Hey, let me tell you something, though. Yeah. So I've been watching like, you know, I've been into flat earth and shit. 
But like, I always try to like watch also like, uh, I'm not really a flat earther, but I, I, I do enjoy watching serious science podcasts like with Lex, Lex Friedman yeah. and where he has on like theoretical physicists and, and, and engineers and other type of people. And they just talk about the things that all the things that they don't know about science is always fascinating. And one of them, they talk about quantum mechanics and quantum physics. Mm-hmm. And it's like physics, you know, at the particle level. And they even t- say that when you're observing, uh, that's why I even said superposition, because it's in both states at the same time. It's it, if it, they, they do a, an experiment with slits. And when you're. Well, obser- watch your language. <laughs> These fucking slits. <laughs> okay. Um, they, when they're not observing the slits, the pattern behind the slits is a is a wave pattern, which means that it's like it's like um, or either a wave pattern. It's one of the patterns, and then when you're observing it, it's a completely different pattern. Meaning that like um, I think it's a sc- so I think when you're not observing, it, it's a scattered pattern. It's just randomly going places. Right. But then when you observe it, it starts to show a wave pattern. Meaning that like when it's observed, your observation it has a quantum field Getting that deep, is interacting bro. with its quantum field yeah so particle theory man it's fucking mecha- it's um no not it's quantum theory yeah whatever man do i'm you, just do saying I, do i look like a so, fucking nerd so while you might think i'm a stupid flat earther which i'm not yeah uh, you know but I, you're I, stupid I, 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 <laughs> no but i i i'm really interested in science and i like listening to science Seminars and podcasts. And so stuff like maybe that. I'll cover a science doc for you. It would have to be the most boring science doc ever. Well, those because I don't care about like, <clears throat> like if you find a good one, okay, I would definitely watch it. All right, let me tell you about Joe. It's got to be like about black hole, like holographic theory. Like they think that like. Do you want to start your own Simpsons see- episode? We're not, see- <laughs> we're not seeing like when we're observing the black holes, we're not actually observing the black hole. The theory is that we're observing. Like literally a projection. When of we're black observing hole. a black hole, we're observing something that's like that is literally like light pl- years away. Like and think of a hologram. The hologram has the light coming up through a plate that's horizontal. I think you just need to start your own podcast called Science with Dave, Dave, and I'll come in and I'll we'll flip science. We'll flip scripts. No, I'm already starting. All right, so, Why am I degenerate? Okay, so. so we're gonna get back to Psychop because skeptic Joe Psychop by my fa- remember that from The Simpsons by Mon Sci Fi Con episode is all over. Hold the place on today, one second. You mentioned Simpsons, the by Mon Sci Fi Con, the uh-uh. by monthly science fiction convention, by Mon Sci Fi Con. All right, go on. We let's do go. now. All right, let's go. Okay, so Psychop sends over skeptic Joe Nickel. Okay, and he says, "Look, when the de- disembodied demonic voice is heard." Um, Janet's lips are hardly moving <laughs> and they sets up remote control cameras and they claimed that they, they were like slow motion cameras. Right. And he's like, dude, Janet's not levitating off a bed. She's bouncing off of it like a trampoline. Okay. Um, so I don't know who's saying this is levitation. Fucking levitation. <laughs> and... He said, look, this is common gymnastics that what she's doing here. And you have to remember, Janet was a, uh, a school sports champion. She then, got really high on that fucking, just got that upward <sighs> thrust. There was Gross, the one that got duped. He said um, that the tape recording equipment he would use would mysteriously malfunction. And uh, it appeared to de- defy the laws of mechanics. 
Well, it was just uh, a jammed tape recorder. <laughs> okay. <laughs> repeatedly was so these guys like, which paper were these guys with? That they got duped so hard. I don't know. The fucking, they, like the fucking star? Not the ones. Yeah, like, probably the mirror or some the, shit. Whatever the fuck it's called. Um, the Lloyds, them tabloids. Now, this is interesting. Fucking Lloyds. Um, the skeptics pointed out mm-hmm. that Janet mm. um, was producing these sounds because she had false vocal cords above the larynx. Um, mm. Now, do you know what that is? I mean, like it's like a it's like an implant. It's it's the vestibular the vestibular fold. Okay, vestibule is uh is what's known as a superior or okay. false vocal cord. It, it's one of two thick folds of mucous membrane. Sick, dude. Each enclosing a narrow band of fibrous tissue. Fucking a. The vestibular ligament, mm-hmm. which is attached in front. To the angle of the thyroid cartilage immediately below the attachment of the epi- epiglottis. Mm-hmm. That's that thing in your back of your mouth. Yeah. Okay. The punch a bag? Yeah. <laughs> so if if you've got these, um, what did they call them? I, I thought that was forgot. called the uvula. Oh, maybe it is. Fuck. Maybe we need to start another podcast called... Um, an uh, anatomy with yeah, Dave. anatomy with Chris. Anyway, they they're Whatever. saying she's got false vocal cords. All right. Anyway, these girls are full of shit. Yeah. And of course, Ed and Lorraine. Well, I'm glad you told me that story. I just thought it was cute. Yeah. Okay. Do you have you ever heard of the Perone family? No, but I bet it's bullshit. Also, <laughs> in 1971, the Warrens claimed that the Harrisville, Rhode Island home of the Perone family was haunted by a witch. Who lived there in the 19th century? All right, now we're getting into my. <laughs> this is your La forte. Bruja. Well, according She's been told about it in all sorts of different cultures. According the witch that haunts little boys in the sleep. According to Ed, mm-hmm. Bathsheba Sherman was the Smashes name of the witch. The legs. Sheba Sherman. 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 That's from right. No, you know from SNL no. from Dana Carvey. <laughs> no. Can't finish. Can't finish. Can't finish. Can't finish. Ross Pro. All right. Okay. Enough people. Bathsheba Sherman. Guys, we got to get to this podcast already. She cursed the land so that whoever lived there somehow died a terrible death. Well, guess what? This was also the subject of the 2013 film, The Conjuring. Wow, dude. Conjuring's Uh taking up all the medals. Now, Lorraine had a cameo. The Dockies. A cameo. In the, yeah. the Conjuring as well, she really? probably you know what she probably needed it to be uh, SAG after after yeah. for her benefits for she's health. Get that shit. She's like, give me five lines so I can get health insurance. Yeah. Okay. Well, give me five lines too. <laughs> have you ever heard of the Snedeker House? <laughs> no, dude, I haven't heard of these fucking retarded houses. Well, I have a feeling you're gonna hear. You're All gonna, right, is it some... in the Conjuring also? No. <laughs> Just let me guess. Um, no, this one's no. in Insidious. No. So. In 86, okay. Ed and Lorraine, they show up at proclaimed Snedeker House, which was a former funeral home, okay? Purportedly Shit. to be infested with demons, which makes sense. Yeah. You know, this case was featured in the 1993 book, In a Dark Place, The Story of a True Haunting, which later became a TV film on the Discovery Channel, which was, of course, a haunting, which we talked about before. Well, the haunting in Connecticut, and then it was turned into an adaptation of a comic book called "And Haunting." It's all about that IP, baby. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
Well, A Haunting in Connecticut was a film based on the Warrens' version of the events. Okay? I, I remember seeing the movie The Haunting. I didn't have any relation. No. <laughs> okay. Is that the one? With what's his face? Broken Lily nose. Lily Taylor? I don't remember. What's okay. the, the guy that was in the, with that? The guy that should be responsible for all the Wes Anderson fucking wins. I don't know. Let me get to what's the point here. I don't know. Let me get to Olson? the point. We got to stay on track. Right, go. We got to stay on target. Wilson. Anyway, apparently this haunted house was all full of shit and not real because the family involved uh, was going through serious problems like alcoholism and drug addiction and couldn't keep their story straight. So sort of like this podcast. Yeah, no shit. Um, Okay, what about the Smurl haunting? You ever heard of the Smurls? Holy shit. (laughs) Have you? Never followed. <laughs> okay, what is it? The Smurls. Nah, I'll man. You are. I've never even heard of that word ever, ever in my okay. life. Smurls. The Smurls. Well, they were out of West Pittston, Pennsylvania. Okay. So they said, "Look, we have a demon in our house. Mm-hmm. It was hanging out from '74 to '89." Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So all the demonologists start showing up to the Smurls place. Okay. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is a big deal. I'm just the name. I can't get past the name. Yeah. So. All these people start showing up, and um, they're like, oh, this is possessed. This is haunted. Until the scientific skeptics show up, and they have, you know, persimmonous explanations, okay? They're like, there's no fucking haunting going around here. Well, so it was a hotly debated. There were two sides. There were people saying haunted for sure, and people saying no. Anyway, the Smurls... Mm had moved into a double block house let me guess yeah people who thought that it was haunted there's way less of them right (laughs) just because there's two groups do not mean those two groups are even (laughs) okay so anyway they're saying that they got a demon that's got really bad odor (laughs) fuck me dude (laughs) it's fucking that throws their dog against the wall jesus christ and shakes their mattress and Likes to push their daughters down flights of stairs. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> ah, and also doesn't like doing the grass or mowing the lawn. More or- importantly, this demon likes to physically and sexually assault family members. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. All-inclusive demon. So 86, Ed and Lorraine show up. Uh, what month? Uh, don't say. I was only a couple months old. And they're like, look, this demon's powerful. Oh, okay. God, yeah. They say he drinks about twelve a day. <laughs> they say uh, this demon shakes mirrors and furniture, <laughs> and uh, they're like, "Okay, uh, only thing we can do is start playing some religious music and praying." Well, Warren claimed as soon as he walked in, a dark mass formed, and the room temperature dropped. Sound familiar? Um, no. Well, then he walks into. Oh, the shit. um the bathroom yeah and the mirror fogs up yeah and it says on the mirror get out oh okay well after months of investigation warren alleged he had a number of audio tapes containing the knocking and rapping caused by the demon <laughs> don't save up. dude i mean me you can't even get one can't get it one. on video in 86 no you can't hey, this is on, no on, man hold on dave 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 hold on check it out i just recorded uh, a demon in here <laughs> i know dude look bro look 
Look, this is bad storytelling. You got to give me a couple wins It's coming. Here. The wins are coming. Are they, though? Yes. Okay. All right. So anyway, he takes all this this shitty this recording. This is like when we did two suicide episodes oh, in a row, no, dude. Jesus. Takes this shitty recording. And he says, hey, uh, Paul Kurtz, you know, you're at a, uh, you, the State University of Buffalo. Um, you got to check this out. And he's like, this is a hoax, Ed. He's like, this is a ghost story. Um, it's all bullshit. And he says, you got to remember, the family are claiming this, these delusions, hallucinations, and brain impairment. Um, but they were um, also in psychiatric <laughs> care. Hmm. And Jack Smurl says... I had to have surgery to remove water from my brain <laughs> mm. in 1983. Water brain. Drunk wet brain. Wet brain. <laughs> because he had yeah, short-term memory loss and uh, uh, meningitis as a youth. Oh, that does. Dude, that can kill you, man. Yeah. So anyway, the Smurls are like, hey, Meningite. look. Hey, look, we're really tired of people coming by. Can you just stop coming by? Yeah. And, we lied. And uh, the the Warrens are like, yeah, we'll stop coming by, but do you mind if we write a book first? So <laughs> how we beat the fucking, why, the Mormons want to write a book? <laughs> no, the Warrens. The Warrens. Ed right. and Lorraine. I don't know why I they're like, you said the Mormons. They're like, look, we'll leave, but we got to write this book. Yeah. So the Smurls are like, okay, go ahead and write your book. I got okay. wet brain. I can't remember my fucking first name. Yeah. I'm shitting in a bag. Yeah. So then they write a book about... Uh, the Smurls called the Haunted. Okay. Uh, so creative with these names. <laughs> so Jesus. Um, they made a two-hour movie out of it. Yeah. Um, and it also starred um, Sally Kirkland as Janet Smurl. So um, Janet Smurl, dude, what a <laughs> fucking name! So, Jesus Christ. There's only two more. How do you have a child and like look at it and say this is a Smurl? It's a bad name, bro. Yeah. Um, you ever hear of Union Cemetery? Um, have I ever heard of Union Cemetery? Yeah, it's in Connecticut. No. Well, Ed wrote a book about it called Graveyard. Although I feel like I have a, I've been to an equally historic um, rail path in Vermont. If, if there's anything you know about, it's rail paths. <laughs> Okay. okay. Damn right, baby. I just got, I don't know how, I, how, I don't know how that one slipped on me. Okay. Ed Warren wrote a book about Union Cemetery called Graveyard Through Hauntings from an Old New England Cemetery. Well, the book features a white lady, something right up your alley, ghost, which haunts Union Cemetery. What the fuck's that supposed to mean? White lady, bro. Oh, Ron. Fuck. God damn it. He claimed to have captured the white lady's essence on film. Well, Union Cemetery <laughs> essence, <laughs> Union Cemetery just want to be cool. Is uh, the <clears throat> oldest one of the oldest cemeteries that dates back to the 1700s, and according to Ghost Hunters, it is one of the most haunted cemeteries in the entire United States. Um, <laughs> this is a weird thing to uh, to claim. You can't exactly. Uh, <laughs> Market yourself as the imagine Rose Hills, the most haunted. Like instead of having the most dead body, like we have the most dead bodies here at Rose Hills. It's like Rose Hills, 
The most haunted place on earth. Anyway, Ed claims that Union Cemetery, there's a ghost that he saw describe wearing a white, diaphanous, white nightgown or wedding dress. And he said he got a video of it. Um, all right. Are you ready for the granddaddy of all of them? Okay. So he said he got a video of it, but nobody's ever seen the video. Apparently not. <laughs> How can you tell me they're getting better? I mean... Buddy, they were handed in like audio recordings. I want to know what the bullshit's going to be with this one. Okay. Are you ready for the granddaddy? Yeah. Amityville whore. Oh, okay. Cool. The Warrens are actually best known for their work on the Amityville whore. Now, First of all, you already just called it a work, which strike one. Right. <laughs> I mean. Hey, they, these fuckers figured out how to get paid, I mean, bro. I got a better ghost. I have two good ghost stories that are What like do you know real. about the Amityville whore? I don't really know anything. You don't know about it? No. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you what how, how it all went down. Okay. Or how it all went down. In 1975, there was a New York couple named George and Kathy Lutz that claimed that their house was haunted by a violent demonic presence so intense that it eventually drove them for their house. Okay, so do you know the story at all of the Amityville horror? No. Like you, like you just know it's a movie, I right? just okay. assume a so scary white house. It was house. a book. It's two-story scary white house. Yes, it was a book <laughs> that came out in 77 okay. that the Lutzes wrote. Now, the historical basis is before they bought it, in 1974, a man named Ronald DeFeo Jr. shot and killed six members of his family um, in a large Dutch colonial house uh, in Amityville, which is uh, on the south shore of Long Island. He was convicted of second-degree murder in 1975 and sentenced to six terms of 25 years to life in prison. He recently died a couple years ago, by the way. So then George and Kathy, they had three kids. They move into the home. And 28 days later, the Lutzes fled the house, claiming to have been terrorized by paranormal phenomenon while living there. Now, the plot of the book is that 13 months after the DeFeo murders, George and Kathleen, they go in and they buy the house because they're like, oh, what a deal. Why is this yeah. house only $80,000? Hey, so when do those rules come into play? I think they've always been around. Uh, if somebody dies in your house, you have to with, withhold, so disclose. How they fucking not withhold it in the Amityville murders? No, they didn't. Oh, they knew? No, they knew. They knew. They were like, oh, oh. well, the, the house is eighty grand because six people were murdered here. Yeah. And they were like, we'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably worth millions now. Yeah, I'm going to give you the exact total towards the end of it. So anyway, mm. you better over under me on that one. Uh, over under on the Amityville home. Yeah. $4.2 million. Ooh. I'm going to go under. Okay. So here's what happens. They move in with their three kids and uh, their dog, Harry. Well, they, they go in and the broker's like, just so you know, or, you know, some bad shit went down here like six months ago. And they're like, no problem. Yeah. We'll take it. Mm -hmm. So they move in in December of 75. We're actually going to use that for our fake story. What's that? <laughs> oh, yeah. That somebody was murdered. I think you might be getting there somewhere. Yeah. Oh, you think? <sighs> well, they were like, why is all this furniture in the house? 
And they were like, well, it used to be white. <laughs> now it's burgundy. They were like, you know, there's nobody around anymore that is alive to yeah, claim it. Yeah. So they're like, if you buy the house, give us 400 bucks and you can keep all the furniture. And they're like, deal. Well, at the time, George was a non-practicing Methodist. Um, and <laughs> yeah. Kathy was a non-practicing Catholic. Like, that was like the cost of like all the shit they had to do to prep the house. No, the prepping is they grabbed a priest named Father Ray. Uh, no, no, I mean like the four hundred dollars for like the people who were selling the house. Like, uh, just give, just give charge them four hundred bucks. Just give us. It'll fucking cover all the stupid costs that we had to do for this. Before. Just take the change out of the cushions. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, those fucking that furniture is probably worth. Anyway, all right. they were like, "All right, George." You know, Kathy, they're like, all right, well, we did just buy a house where six people were murdered. Let's get a priest. So they bring in uh, real Sage life priest. Yeah. Father Ralph J. Pe uh, Pecoraro. The Hung. Well, um, his real name is Pecoraro, but he was referred to as Father Mancuso for privacy reasons. Well, Father Mancuso was a lawyer. <laughs> he was a judge of the Catholic court and psychotherapist. Mm. Sounds um, like somebody had to be relocated, probably. He And he lived at a local rectory. So he goes in and blesses uh -huh. the house while they're unpacking. And Anal rectory. then he goes in to each room, and he's carrying out the rituals with the holy water and whatnot. Oh. And then all of a sudden, he hears a masculine voice demand that he... <laughs> they said a masculine voice. That was the joke. That's why I did not. So when leaving the house, Mancuso... I'll do the jokes around here. <laughs> hey, whenever you're ready to start, I'm ready. 65 episodes <laughs> in and still so, not one. So Mancuso doesn't tell George and Kathy that I heard the... Uh, get out of the fucking house, voice. <laughs> He's like, I'm just going to keep this between me and the demon. <laughs> Kathy and George don't have to know about this. <laughs> so, very feminine of you. So right away... Kathy and the demon. There's a little bit of a problem, okay? Oh, tell me. So A little bit. Here's what happens next. Reality. December 24, 1975... Father Mancuso called George Lutz and advised him to stay out of the second floor room because he had heard a mysterious voice. Well, that was the former bedroom of Mark and John Matthew DeFeo. How old were they? I don't don't know their ages. Youngins, I bet. Yeah, oh, yeah. Ah, gross. Well, Kathy's like, I want to use the boys' bedroom as a sewing room. Um, but it's full of cum. <laughs> it's fucking... Just, just stop. Layers. Stop. All right. She's not being able to use the room because there's static in it, according to uh, Kathy. What? Mm hmm. Creamy, creamy static. <laughs> okay, okay. Father Mancuso, at this point, he starts developing high fever and blisters. And Ooh, is shingles. Reporting. No. Chingos. It's called stigmata. It's fucking okay. shingles, dude. <laughs> So I know a case of shingles when I see it. Georgia Kathy, no experiences for them. All right. Um, well, next in January 76, they're like, we better get another house blessing. Even though apparently they haven't really seen anything. They're just going off Father Man Father Mancuso shingles. Yeah, chingos. 
<laughs> so um, what happened would turn out to be their final night in the house. And the Lutzes declined to give a full account of the events that took place on this occasion, describing yeah. them as too frightening. Yeah, but, but not their final nights living, so it's not really that big of a deal. Well, after getting in touch with Father Mancuso, the Lutzes decided to take some belongings and go stay with Kathy's mom. And uh, they're like, let's just go wait this out until everything's figured out. Yeah, they sure. claimed that the phenomena followed them there to oh, Kathy's mom's house. Um, along with greenish black slime that was coming up their staircase towards them. What? Uh-huh. So they move out. They leave all their possessions behind. And then the next day, a mover arrived to remove everything for them. And he was like, dude, there's nothing wrong. Everything's fine. So the book was written after somebody by the name of Tam Mossman um, introduced George and Kathy Lutz to this writer, Jay Anson. The Lutzes did not work directly with Anson, but submitted around 45 hours of tape-recorded recollections to him, which were used in the basis of his book. Estimates of the sales of the book are around 10 million copies. Wow. Yeah, this was this was huge. It's crazy. Anson has ha uh, said to have based the title, The Amityville Horror, on the Dunwich Horror by H.P. Lovecraft, which was from like 1920-something. Yeah, I, I just heard about H.P. Lovecraft. Um, Real creep. I just, uh, yeah, we just went over, not went over, but like I was listening to, I was on a podcast with somebody talking about it. So there are disputes on the accuracy of the and role. And radio. Of the role of Father Pecoraro. Yeah, fucking Pecca. So Father Pecca. Pecoraro stated in an affidavit during a lawsuit in the 70s that his only contact with the Lutzes concerning the matter had been by phone. Okay. okay. Now, meanwhile, the Lutzes yeah. are saying, uh, Pecoraro, he's walking around the house and he's got shingles. Yeah, chingos. Other accounts say that Pecoraro did visit the house but experienced nothing unusual there. Yeah. Um, he also went on In Search Of. You remember In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. Where he's like standing by the beach and shit. Yeah. He says in that interview, he made it clear that he did, in fact, enter the home and that he was slapped by an invisible force and told to get out by a disembodied voice. Was it disembodied? Oh, I mean, yeah. Different voice. voice. No, a it's bodiless like voice. Janet and the girls, they're fucking throwing their voice around. Just oh, a yeah. different voice. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. how I read it. Okay, well, <clears throat> then... You have Jim and Barbara Cromarty um, rejected the claims of physical damage to doors, locks, and windows because they were the next to assume ownership of the house. So they're like, we walked in, everything's fine. So who who is saying that this house is all fucked up? Okay. I guess they got the furniture. and well, No, that furniture oh, was moved out. Oh, it jumped out. to them, yeah. dude. It jumped to, <laughs> jumped to the other people, they said. No, it was moved out by the movers who said everything's fine. No, no, I'm saying, I'm saying but the, the entities. Oh, of course. Entities. They just go into the walls until yeah, somebody comes yeah, yeah. in. No, 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 no. It, it followed them. So, okay. So I, they said um, everything was original and nothing had been repaired. They said that the red room, was a small closet in the basement. <laughs> Used to be the white room. <laughs> anyway, tired joke. And would have been known to the Lutzes because it was not concealed in any way. Well, local Shinnecock Indians rejected Fuck the claim yeah. made in Chapter 11 of the book that the house was built. By the ancient burial. You got oh, it. Oh, God, what a hacky story. Well, 
I want to know where that there was originated. A, there was from. a twist. It wasn't on a burial ground. It was uh, a place where they left mentally ill and dying. Oh, Indians. what a fucking <laughs> retarded thing. Oh, come on. That was in the 70s they wrote that? Yeah. Oh, these fucking hacks. Could you Jesus just imagine Christ. being an Indian being like, um, Yo, we got to dump these handicapped Yo, people. What's going on? We don't want to kill them. But that's so much more offensive. They fucking totally. on the bodies of dead, retarded Indians. Awesome. Yep. Uh, Stephen Kaplan, he was a big critic. He said um, many changes were made to the book and it was reprinted in different editions. So it's changed over the years. At one point, the, the, the car is a Chevy Vega and then it turns into a Ford. Well, and it turns into a Vincent Vega. <laughs> nice call. In 77, George and Kathy Lutz, they filed a lawsuit against a man named William Weber, who was the defense attorney for Ronald DeFeo, who was the original murderer. Mm. Um, and Paul Hoffman, a writer working on the account of the hauntings, Bernard Burton and Frederick Mars, and those two were alleged clairvoyants who had examined the house. They also sued Good Housekeeping Magazine, New York Sunday News, and the Hearst Corporation. They allege misappropriation of names for trade purposes, invasion of privacy, and mental distress. Oh yeah, dude. The Get claims. So the claims then go to a Brooklyn judge, and uh, he tosses everything out. So you know he's like, um, "This is a hoax." This yeah. was, and Weber, William Weber, he said, "I know." We can't let our secrets out like this. No. William Weber was like, look, I know this is a hoax. We created the horror story over many bottles of wine. Okay? Yeah. So I mean, obviously, guys. Come on. But th that's fucking fascinating. Have you ever had a ghost story? Do you ever have any ghost encounters ghost stories? or something? No. I've got, I've got two. Let's hear it. Very quickly. Okay. One of them. All right. 15 years old. I think I might have even told this one. Okay. 15 years old was... Uh, um, one of the first times I was home alone is because my parents, you know, I have an older brother that's 12 years older than me and an older sister that's six years older than me. Yeah. So not too many opportunities to even be home alone anyway, really. One of the first times home alone on a weekend and I'm like 15 and it's uh, 11 o'clock. My lights are off. My hallway, the hallway light, which is hardwood floor, lights are on. I start hearing pitter patter like up and down the hall. like Santa's Elves. Like a set of like two, two sets of of like children's feet, but barefoot, noticeable. Tick 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 up and down the hall. And you can kind of see the shadows coming through underneath the thing, uh -huh. underneath the doorway. And so like not very scaredly, but I just I go I answer I go I not answer I say hello and it stops. And then uh, about ten seconds later, it starts up again. And I get up and I'm walking towards the door, and. I swear to God, as soon as I open the door, my parents walk through the front door. I can't see them. Mm -hmm. And um, they walk through the front door. And I open the door. Nobody there. And I uh, ask my parents, did you see anybody run out of the house? Or is anything stolen? They're uh -huh. like, what? No, why? And I'm like, I, I Like I your dad or your mom are going to be able to see a little mouse that just walked out the door. It, was, it felt bigger than a mouse. Like, See, because I knew kind of like the type of footsteps <laughs> mm -hmm. that would come up and down that hall. Whether somebody... Had heels on, or tennis shoes, or barefoot, or sandals. Like you can notice these things. Can I? And just... like my nephews. And so, but, but real quickly, yeah. like, do you, 
I chalked it off as always just being as kids in the neighborhood. Literally, like that's what my thought at 15 years old was like, oh yeah, it's just the kids in the neighborhood. Yeah. Can I go ahead and give you a par- it's uh, probably like a raccoon a par- or something? A parsimonious explanation of what sure. this is. Sure. This is Occam's Razor 101. Sure, yeah. What but, do you have in common with all these people that were involved in these things? Drugs. Exactly. Yes. You have a drug problem. I was 15 years old. I wasn't doing any drugs then. Uh, I doubt that. No, I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't doing any drugs. I was drinking nothing. So there goes my... There I mean, goes obviously, my nowadays, my credibility is gone. Like, whatever happens to me yeah. needs to be on videotape. Yeah. And uh, I have another one, too, but maybe I'll save it for another time. Okay. Um, it involves a dog, a ghost dog. We'll make it a better one next time. Okay. So... Next week. Do you know how many different Amityville horror movies there are? Oh, man. 13. I'm going to say 25. Okay, is that why? Exactly, is what that's what your paper says? No, it's just the list is so oh, damn long. It's, long it's not list. even worth reading. No, um, it's just like they make a new one every year. Yeah, so that's pretty wild. So and um, nobody gets paid for the story. No, this all go, has to go back to the rights. I mean, these people are pros. They know what they're doing. Yeah, they're just fucking. They're just uh, licensing it. Yeah. Anyway, which um, is what Marvel should be doing. That's why I'm saying these guys were very good at what they did. These yeah. um, these Warrens, whatever you want to call them. Um, so I'm just going to give you a little bit more to know about the house. You asked about what it's worth. Yep, I said under 4.2. Yeah, it the last the last known sale was a listing of 1.15 million mm. in 2010, mm-hmm. and it sold for 950. Whoa. Uh huh. It's got to go be way more expensive now. Well, they had a moving sale when it was mm. last sold. It moved. They moved it. No, no. no. <laughs> well, here's what's interesting. You they say moved, that they moved the here's house. Here's what's very interesting. They want it gone. The house. They wanted to use the original house for a bunch of the movies. Yeah. And Amityville was like, "Get the fuck out of here, dude." Why? Because yeah, they're like, we don't want this to be about our town. Yeah. Okay. I know. Like, it's not good for the Chamber of Commerce yeah. to be like, come to Murder Town. Murder Town, USA. So what they did is they built uh, a replica That's of hilarious. it in Jersey. And wow. they go shoot out it there. And apparently they just keep it there because they're cranking out a new movie every, every fucking year. year yeah. Well, we have the Amityville <laughs> house. We got to make one every year. Um, I have a little personal information. Between um, Ed Warren. Keep that shit to yourself. No. Apparently, Ed Warren, there's a woman in 2017 named Judith Penny. She claims she had a 40-year sexual relationship with Ed. Um, Who cares? When she was underaged. Oh, boy. In 1963. Oh, boy. So it kind of fits the the character of these Yep. These guys are probably, probably all fucking sexual child abuse going on. Um. Well, according to um, Ness, New England uh, Skeptical Society, mm-hmm. they said the Warrens were cool people. Cool. Pleasant. Cruel? Oh, cool. Pe- they said pleasant, but their claims of demons and ghosts are at best as tellers of meaningless ghost stories and at worst, dangerous frauds. Awesome. They spent the 13 bucks and took the tour and said it's all blarney. Well... It's probably all just the government side to make you think that ghosts and shit aren't really real. They say they never did good scientific investigations and always had predetermined conclusions. Um, and that they don't um, base, uh, they said, excuse me, Lorraine Warren said the problem 
is that the people that are are critics, they don't base anything on God. So I guess you can always go to that when you don't have a defense, sure. just like they tried to do with the demon defense. Um, the Occult Museum, uh, now closed. Can't go. Sorry about that. Shucks. <laughs> and uh, Lorraine was featured in several episodes of... Um, the, the a haunting series, which I might go check out, which you should if you're into this. Uh, they've also appeared together in Scariest Places on Earth, Cameo, which I noted earlier in The Conjuring, and um, I think pretty much all of The Conjuring films they're involved. And of course, the Annabelle movies, I never heard of any of these. So uh, that's it. That's a lot to cover. Solid. Uh, that's the rest of our Halloween <clears throat> episode. Um, I hope uh, you guys uh, get, were able to keep your attention. We went a little sideways today, but that's us. That's who we are. Uh, I do want to acknowledge some of our listeners. Um, from uh, the, the new reviews out on Spotify. This comes from Cloma Crane Crow. Excellent. Very well presented. One of my personal favorite uh, listeners, Sky Marino. Great job, guys. I always look forward to hearing you all every week. Um, Cloma, Clomo Crane Crow. Um, this is regarding the Soaked in Bleach episode. Love this episode. You guys are hilarious. Dave calling Courtney a slut the whole way through killed me. Really entertaining. Enjoy. Uh, Thanks, guys. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. <laughs> yep. I'll make sure to use that word more often. B. McD says, I love this podcast, and this is an awesome doc about one of my favorite all-time bands. Join the Discord for even more yeah, yeah. autistic fun <laughs> than Wall Street bets. Yeah. Yo, autistic is an understatement. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, I'm Big Dave. Parting in there. Big Dave. Big Dave. I think BG. I remember seeing Dave Sarah on The Muppet Show. Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> Harry motherfucker. Tom One Gun says, uh, it was awesome. I like to revisit and hear a new take on my favorite docs. I love the announcement at the end of each document uh, uh, podcast revealing the film for next week's. It's like homework you can actually look forward to. Now, Dave, I yeah. suppose you're wondering, what's next week's homework? Wow. We had a problem. What was the problem? I had it all lined up. Halloween in November. And apparently the film that I was ready to get started on, mm -hmm. I can't find the script to. No. So next week's episode will be spooky, but it's going to be a surprise. With that said, Dave. Yep. I've already told you, this is a three and a half star doc. The time has come. Will you watch this documentary? 